So Matthew chapter 9 is our text this morning, and we're going to look at this passage of Scripture for a few minutes. As perhaps you've noticed that we are in the midst of the Compassion Experience, and we're very, very blessed to have Compassion International here on our campus. Uh, we helped them set up on Thursday, and I was really concerned about those 100-mile-an-hour um, winds that came through just a couple of hours ago. Amen. I was concerned that it was going to blow it over, but I believe it's still standing up strong. I hope you've had a chance to. How many of you have walked through the Compassion Experience? Have you gone through it? It's fantastic. Many of you have. Let me encourage you to do so. They're going to be with us through today and then all day tomorrow. And then on Tuesday, they'll pack up and head out. And so today is Compassion Sunday. And I want to take just a, a few minutes, and we're going to divert away from Nehemiah, our study, and look at this text in Matthew uh, chapter 9. And so if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to read along with me. And let me add my welcome to you as well. We're glad that you're here. God bless you for coming. I mean, you survived the elements. Uh, some of you couldn't make it. You were concerned about the weather, and you, you're tuned in. You told me you were tuning in uh, with our live stream. So God bless you. We're so glad that you are that you're here with us, uh, not in body, but in spirit. You're worshiping the Lord with us here at Great Hills. So I love this passage of Scripture, especially as it relates to what we're focused on today and really over the last few days, and that is the whole word compassion. Uh, the Greek word that we're going to look at in a moment is a very fascinating word to me. When the Bible says that Jesus Christ, when he saw the, the multitudes, he was espleikna is, is the Greek word. It means to be viscerally, bodily, Moved. It means to be so impressed and so moved that you must do something to ameliorate or to improve what your eyes have just beheld. And you saw the text a moment ago, but I want to read it to you now. Matthew chapter 9, and just talk to us a few minutes about what it means to have compassion towards those uh, who are without or toward those who are hurting. The Bible says, And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, by the way, there'd be about 200 of them from a 40-mile uh, wide to a 70-mile length Palestine, Holy Land, the Levant, Israel, call it what you want. It's not very big. It would have about 3 million people in it at this time in Jesus' life. And somebody said, you know, most all of those 3 million would have had an opportunity to have access to, at least to be able to put their eyes upon the Lord Jesus. Now, the Bible says that Jesus went... I love that little subject, verb, very simple statement. Jesus, he went. By the way, that's why he came. He didn't come to sit. He didn't come to complain. He didn't come to bemoan all the ills and the ills of the world. He came to make a difference. Aren't you glad that Jesus came and he went? The Bible says he went about all the cities, all the villages. You say, well, what's the difference in a city and a village? That's a good question. Cities were fortified. Cities had... Soldiers, cities had support and protection. Villages did not. Much like many cities and villages and towns in other places in the world today, and many of those places I've had the opportunity to visit, and there's some protection, and then, amen, when you get out in some other places, there's no protection. It's just wide open plains. And so Jesus went, uh, and he went to how many of the cities? Do y'all believe that? I do. I believe Jesus was busy. <laughs> There was no moss growing underneath his feet. I mean, he was moving, and he was doing. The Bible says, and he was teaching in their synagogues. Watch this trilogy of activity of the Son of God. I call it the, the triumphant ministry of Jesus Christ. He's teaching in their synagogues, number one. Number two, ooh, look at this. He is karuks euangelion the basilea. 
He is preaching, he is proclaiming the good news of the gospel. And by the way, guys and gals, it is still the good news of the gospel of the kingdom. Jesus preached so much about kingdom living. He talked about often and frequently. In fact, after his resurrection and before his ascension to the Father, the Bible says in Acts chapter 1 that for 40 days he preached and he taught and he shared with people about the kingdom of God, the kingdom, the reign, and the rule of Almighty God has come from heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus reigns supreme in heaven. And now he's come to earth and he says, I am here. And to validate my ministry and to substantiate and exonerate what I am telling you, watch what I will do. I will not only teach you about God and not, not only will I share with you about the kingdom of God that has come, but to exonerate me and to validate me, watch what I will do. In my name, be raised up and live. And in my name, lepers, you be healed. And in my name, lady, you are healed now of your sickness. And so that's what Jesus did. He was busy. He was busy teaching and preaching, but he was validating it all the time by the way he did his miracles. So he was an unstoppable force. He was this powerful force, this wind of God that has come out of heaven, and he's moving through Palestine, and you can't stop him. By the way, you still can't stop him. He's still moving. He's still shaking this world, and he's healing people, and he's, he's casting out demons of people, and he's, he's saving people's souls. And so here you have this trilogy of ministry. Some of you are looking at me like, you won't ever get out of verse 35. I don't know. I may not. I don't know, this passage just gets all over me. Whenever I read it and whenever I have an opportunity to teach about it, the Bible says that Jesus went and then he's teaching, he's preaching, and he's healing. Some of the sicknesses, help me now, every sickness. So there's a sickness that Jesus cannot overcome. No. Every sickness, and, 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 and the Bible, I just love the Bible. In case y'all missed every the first time, here it is again. Every disease among the people, verse 36. But when he saw the multitudes, when he just stepped back, can you see him just ministering and serving and helping and teaching? And then he gets this panoramic view. Maybe he just steps back for a moment, and his eyes look out over the multitudes, and there they are. I don't know how many of those millions are there. Who knows? Maybe there's 10,000 people there that day. And he looks at him, and the Bible, here it is, he was moved with compassion. It's Blake Nas, that one rich word. He was viscerally, can y'all watch me for just a minute? Maybe he just went like this, you know. Maybe he put his hands over his eyes for just a moment, and, and he was just deeply and bodily and viscerally moved because of what he saw. And what he saw was this. The people were weary, scullo, weary, worn out, battered and bruised and beaten, and they, they, were, they were scattered and they were like sheep who had no shepherd. And then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are very few. And therefore Jesus gave us this command. It's an aorist imperative command. He told the disciples then, and he tells the disciples today, he said, well, I'm just overwhelmed by the enormity of the need of mankind and all the ills and all the demons and all the, all the hell that just seems to break out upon this earth. What can I do? 
What can I do? I'm just one mere mortal, single, solitary individual. What can I do to make a difference? We can get on our knees to Almighty God and pray. And that's what Jesus said. He said, pray that the Lord of the harvest will send out laborers into his harvest. So Compassion International, I've heard of this ministry for many years. But it was not until October of 2015 that I got an opportunity to experience firsthand what Compassion International, what they do all over the world. Now, we were in Peru. Um, oh, the word, I, I, I probably will butcher it if I, tried, if I just try to say it. But it's in the north, it's on the, the west, it's on the coast there in Peru. And we were, actually, we were all over the country of Peru. But when we were there, they were telling us that there were still some children or some babies and some kids that needed to be sponsored. And my wife and I, have been our ministry, we've been sponsoring a child in Nepal through another Christian organization. And so, but there was a need, and there was, another, there was a young man they said named Victor. Now, he's like 9, 10 years of age, and he's older, and there's a good chance that he's not going to be sponsored because most of the sponsorships in Europe or in America or South America, wherever those sponsorships come from, most of the time they focus on babies, and I get that. And they focus on little toddlers, and I understand that. And they said, so this guy, I'm going to show you a picture of, they said, it's Victor, and he really didn't have any sponsor, and you could tell he's no baby. I mean, that's a big preschooler, wouldn't you say? I mean, he's, he's a big young boy. And so I just said, well, I'll take him. And so for $38 a month, a few cups of Starbucks coffee, you know, we will, we will sponsor him. And then I got to meet his mom and the little one, the little baby there. And so we had an opportunity to, to meet them and to sponsor them, and now Compassion at least once every couple of weeks, they will send me updates. They will say, here's what's going on in our world. Here's Victor's birthday. Christmas is coming up. Do you want to send a card? Do you want to send a little gift to him? It is a phenomenal ministry. I don't know if y'all noticed over the last few weeks, there have been some torrential floods that have just, just swept through Peru. Well, compassion, because my, my ministry is helping there. My work is there. They're sending me updates, and they say, our compassion staff and volunteers, they're going from village to village, from hut to hut, home to home, people to people, place to place. Whenever there's a, a Compassion International sponsored child, they go in, and they check on them and minister to them. You know, it kind of reminds me of that story, you know, the guy's casting the, the starfish into the ocean, and he's reprimanded and saying, look at all these starfish. How in the world are you going to help them? It doesn't make any difference. And praise God, he reaches down, and he grabs one, and he says, it makes a difference to this one. And it makes a difference in Victor's life that we can minister to him, and we can sponsor him and encourage him. So I'm, I'm hoping that, that all of us will sponsor a child. I hope before you leave today, out in the foyer, you'll go out there and say, Holy Spirit, lead me to one of, one of these or two or three of these and let me be, be a sponsor and, and to help, help them. So I, I'm, I'm sold on it. I'm, I'm a big proponent of compassion. They're not paying me, by the way, guys. They're not, they aren't even asking me to do this. I just know. I've just tasted and I've seen a ministry. Their, their budget, by the way, is about a billion dollars a year. How about that? You say, well, it's a billion dollars. They don't need my little $38. Then you miss the point. What you miss is God's blessings on your life. I mean, I, I never do without that $38 a month. I, I just am, you know, God just says, you, you be obedient, just step out. And we're still sponsoring the child in Nepal. And we're still sponsoring missions ministry at Great Hills. We're still tithing and we're still giving to building vision. Say, well, you're just going to give your little self out. Praise God. Just give, man, just give. And here's what God does. God says, thank you. And then he just blesses us, blesses me, blesses our church. And so I do. I hope you'll take a moment. 
uh, after our service today, you're about to be blessed. You're about to see some things in a moment you probably weren't prepared to see. You're about to hear some testimonies and some interviews and some things that maybe you, you weren't prepared to when you, when you came in today. But I think you're going to be encouraged. I think you're going to be, be challenged and blessed. So back to this text today. I'm, I know I'm kind of go, going through it kind of quickly, but I'm just, whenever I get a chance, I, I just love this text. This text, you know, I was thinking about this this week, and I was thinking, you know, in America, in my life and in my ministry, I'm, I can become consumed with churchianity in America. I mean, there's budgets, <laughs> there's, there's personnel, there's a large staff, there, there's a huge building, and there's this aging facility that every day something breaks. That's a little bit of, uh, uh, oh, what's a hyperbole? That's a little bit of exaggeration, but not much. I mean, something, somebody could already come to me, trees are out and there's holes in the roof. I'm like, welcome to my world. This is my world, you know? And every day, every, and there's something that needs to be done and, and, and budgets and, and, and building vision and, and, and people building on the property here and, 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 menu, and, and sermons to write and people to visit in the hospital and things are happening. And I just find myself sometimes just going, going, going. And that's why I love this passage of scripture. It's just like God says, okay, let's recalibrate. Let's remember who you are. First of all, remember who I am and the fact that I got you into this, but don't forget the most important thing, and that is to teach the Word of God, preach the kingdom of God, and minister to the needs of the people. So don't forget that. I don't want you to forget. I don't want to forget that in the busyness of ministry, in the business of, in the busyness of churchianity. Let us not forget. And by the way, I'm just going to get on a soapbox for just a moment. I'm just preparing y'all, okay? Soapboxes for preachers, and they just pitch a little hissy fit, you know, and they get all wound up. Then, they are, then they're okay. Okay, thank you. Just, just. Have y'all ever noticed that 99-something percent of all these um, ministries and outreaches are Christians? Anybody ever notice that? That, that, just, that just astounds me sometimes. I, I think about other religions. I, I hardly ever see of, of Hindus or Muslims or other world religions going out to the dark places of this world and helping people and feeding people and serving people. And I don't know if anybody's ever, you ever thought about their one? Compassion International, Samaritan's Purse, World Vision. All these ministries that are, that are the, the, the outreaches and, and helping. And I'm wondering, why do we do that? Why don't other people do that? Why don't the other religions of the world? Now, as soon as I say this, somebody's going to come up to me and say, well, there's this obscure outreach Muslim ministry over here. And I'm saying, okay, you're, you, you got me. You got me. But 99% of the time, why is it us? I don't know. Why is us doing all this? It's because we're taking on the nature of our leader. We're, we're emulating. We're, we're imitating the leader. And when you imitate the leader, you do things like this. And other religions, you imitate their leaders, you do other things that are not near as, as praiseworthy as this engagement of lostness, this praying to the Lord of the harvest, this teaching, preaching, serving, and healing. And, and we are at our best when we're doing this. Okay, I'm, I'm done. It's all cool, right? Got off my soapbox. It's all good. And 
I just love Jesus, and I just love what he is, what he's done in my life, and I love what he's doing in this world. And we are at our best when we're doing and imitating and mimicking him and emulating him and following his pattern. And by the way, he's given us a wonderful template. He's given us a pattern that we can't do everything, but we can do something. If you don't get anything else out of the message today, would you get this out of the message today? You can't do everything, but you can do something. I can't, I can't adopt or I can't sponsor all the kids in the world, but I can sponsor Victor. And, 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 I, and I, can't, I can't touch and, and minister and serve in all, all the needs of the countries of this world, but I can go to some, and it will make a difference in those. I don't know if y'all have seen this last commercial of State Farm. I'm a State Farm guy. I've been given all kinds of advertisements so today, TV, advertisements, entertainment. State Farm, it's cool. That's who... Uh, Spent a lot of money on State Farm, amen. Well, anyhow, they had this new commercial out, and there's this guy. I don't know if y'all have seen him. You, you, I know you have. If you watch, especially watch sports, you, you, you'll see this commercial. This guy, he's just, he's just a normal, average-looking guy, and he's just going through life, and all of a sudden, these things just start popping up. Have y'all seen them? There's a veteran sitting beside him in the subway, and he sees a commercial saying, support the veterans. There's a child with cancer. There's a child over here that's needing someone to sponsor. And then there, there's, there's children over here that need mentoring. And, and, and he, just, he just starts to become overwhelmed with the size and the enormity of the needs a, a, around him. Y- y'all feel this? I do. I mean, every, every time I see something on TV or I hear of a need, I'm like, I, I want to help them and I, I want to serve them. And, and you can't, right? You just can't. But at the end of the commercial, it shows him going into this youth center, this mentoring outreach program. And there he is. He's come off of the subway, and he still has all these images of kids with cancer and kids needing mentoring and, and veterans. And by the way, there's a polar bear over here, and there's a dog over here that needs, you know, there's a little, little old yeller over here needs somebody to help him. He's going, man, I, what do I do? And so instead of just being overwhelmed and not doing anything, he says he just takes one step toward that one thing that God would have him do. And then the little caption says, you lift the load of caring by doing. It's powerful. State Farm got this right. You lift the load of caring by actually doing something. And then they have a little website there that you can go to the website and it connects you to ministries and outreaches in your local city that you can get involved in. And by the way, we... We have many here in Austin, and I'm very grateful to God. And by the way, some of you here today, you, you are, you're in different places in your life and in your spiritual walk with God. Some of you, like Sean, just taking that bold step of being baptized. And some of you came into our new members class today. It's fascinating. It's fantastic. And, and, and for some of you, you're taking baby steps. And, and for some of you, that's, that's a big leap to go to baptism or to go to a new members class. And others of you are taking other steps. You're, you're going to take a little small step and you're going to say, well, I'll help out with the Hope Clinic. I'll go down and volunteer a day or two a month and I'll help out refugees with medical care or I'll help with education connection. I'll help go read and, and mentor and encourage a young boy, a young girl, a young third grader. Others of you say, well, I'll help out here at LifeBridge and English as a second language, and I'll, I'll do that. Somebody say, well, I'll go sponsor a child. Praise God. 
It, it, it's, it's okay as long as you do something, right? What's not okay is not to do anything. Well, this is a big church, a big budget, lots of people. I'm sure they will take care of it. But the Holy Spirit, he don't, he don't care about that. He don't care about big budgets and all that stuff. What he cares about is if you're listening to the pastor of God who's preaching the word of God under the spirit and the anointing of God, and is God speaking to you? Is God saying anything to you? And if he is, then you need to receive it and go do it. So it's a fast 20-minute sermon, but I, I wanted to share that with you, okay? Um, and then next week, we're going to look at uh, Palm Sunday. We're going to have the Lord's Supper. We're going to move on into Easter. Easter Sunday, by the way, we're going to worship at 10 a.m. And then we're going to go out and do the big egg hunt with the kids at 11. So before we go, though, there's a couple more things I want you to look at. I want you to experience. First of all, I'm going to show you this, uh, this video on Compassion International. So let's go ahead and show it. And then we got a special treat for you that will bless you. tragedy came to our lives when uh, my father, who was only 25 years old, passed away. My mother told me that my father had a passion to bring uh, compassion to the community. My name is Sammy Orlando. I am from Luperon, Dominican Republic. For a Dominican family, a father means provision and it means protection. And uh, I had just lost that provision. I was forced by life basically to go on the streets. Uh, a five-year-old on the street, I was just struggling in life trying to make it. I thought I was gonna be probably a drug addict, uh, a thief. I wanted to become a musician, but I didn't think I was gonna do it. And I felt abandoned. I was losing my dream and I needed an opportunity. And that opportunity was given to me when God, he used a ministry called Compassion International. My mother, she remarried a pastor, and they were able to bring compassion to that community. My sponsor decided to choose me, to sponsor me. She wrote letters to me saying, Samuel, it is possible to believe. It is possible to dream again. It is possible to have hope. You could become whoever you wanted to be. I was able to get uniforms. I was able to get school supplies, was able to get meals. My father believed in a ministry like Compassion and changed my life. I am grateful to that. I will always be grateful to Compassion and mostly grateful to God because I know God is using ministries like this to change lives. Today, I am a recording engineer. Today, I am a singer and a musician. My wife and I decided to sponsor to kids, one in the Dominican Republic and one in Haiti because it's not enough being blessed we have to be a blessing. My name is Samuel Orlando, and I am a life changed. Great Hills family, we are lucky enough this morning to have Samuel actually with us today. So let's give him a big welcome. Thank you. And we wanted you to have a chance to actually see him, meet him, learn a little bit more about his story and how compassion has changed his life. So welcome, Samuel. Thank you. I hope they are not disappointed because the uh, guy on the screen was the refined version of me and then this is what you get. <laughs> you know, back then I was blessed with a lot of hair and now I'm blessed with no hair, basically. <laughs> well, let's start by telling everybody just a little bit about what it was like growing up in the Dominican Republic and what your life was like before compassion. Sure. Well, thank you, uh, Pastor Danny and, and 
uh, Great Hills Church for allowing us to be here. So it's a pleasure. But I, I remember this uh, time in the Dominican Republic. My mother and I had to move to the east because we couldn't afford a place to live. And this afternoon, my uncle uh, came from his job and his children and I, my cousins, went running towards him yelling, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy's here. Because I used to call, call him Daddy. That specific time, um, my, one of my cousins stopped me and told me, Samuel, stop calling him dad because he's not your dad. Your dad is dead. And I went back crying to my mother and I asked my mother, Mommy, why did God take away my father? And why did my father abandon us? And that's how I felt abandoned. I was six months when my father passed away. He was only 25 years old and he was a pastor. Liver cancer took um, his life. And it was difficult for me and my mom to uh, live without him because uh, a, a dad, a father in the Dominican Republic and in Peru, any other third world country, means provision, means protection. And we had lost that provision. So um, my life in the Dominican Republic become a fight against something I call a monster. A monster, because to me, I think um, it is a true monster, the monster of poverty. And when we talk about poverty in the US, it's kind of like very difficult to explain. Because people may think poverty is not owning a house or maybe not owning a nice car or not owning an iPhone, you know. For my kids, he opens the refrigerator and, you know, there's food in there. And he says, there's nothing to eat here. And he, thinks we're, he thinks we're poor. But uh, for my mother and I, poverty meant that we were not sure if we we're going to have breakfast in the morning. Uh, it meant that we didn't know if we are going to have lunch or dinner. That was poverty to us. Poverty to me meant that at the age of five, I was on the streets selling cornbread. So I had a bucket in my head and I used to sell it and yell, cornbread, pan de maíz, pan de maíz, who would like to buy a piece of cornbread? And then I remember watching the kids playing on the, on the streets and I was actually working. And then some of them would come to me and tell me, you're just a cornbread seller, you're good for nothing, you're nobody. And then I would go back to my mother and cry and say, why do I have to be doing this? And my mother didn't have any answers. And one time I remember specifically that uh, one day we didn't have anything to eat in the house. We were living by ourselves and, and we were praying, God, can you please provide something for us today? It's very hard to be hungry because I don't know if you ever experienced that, but uh, when you don't have anything in your stomach, I mean, it hurts. And we were hurting, my mom and I. So we prayed to God, you know, God, can you please provide something? And, Sweet lady from church showed up with 10 plantains. If you don't know what that is, those are green bananas in the Dominican Republic. And they're great. And two eggs. And I was literally jumping saying, wow, God is real. He just gave us food. But then my mother started dividing those plantains. She said, these two for Sister Mary, these two for Sister Luz. And I was getting worried because she was giving away our blessing. She said, mom, what are you doing? You're giving away our blessing. And then she said, Samuel, it is better to give than to receive. And after that, I started to say that God always provides because I believe God always provides. Do you believe that? Well, when I say that, people question me and say, well, if God always provides, why were you living in extreme poverty? If God always provides, why there is right now 400 million, 400 million children living in extreme poverty in less than a dollar and 30 cents a day, if God always provides? And I tell them, God always provides. The problem is that we are not always willing to share, but God always provides. And I was going to school with broken shoes, barely any school supplies, sometimes empty stomach. And I had dreams. 
I wanted to become a recording engineer, musician, and a singer, and I wanted to preach the gospel around the world because my mother told me that was my father's dream. He wanted to preach the gospel with Samuel Orlando. But poverty told me that I wasn't good enough and that I was nobody and that I was going to end up on the streets dealing with drugs, stealing, because that's what poverty brings. It brings prostitution, it brings crimes. It takes away the hope because poverty is not just the lack of financial, it's the lack of hope, the lack of purpose, the lack of dream, the lack of faith. And when I say faith, I say this, I started doubting God. I doubted God. I said, God, if you really love me, why are we dealing with this situation? I didn't understand that. And that's what poverty brought into my life, doubt. And that was my life before compassion. Well, praise God that you didn't stay in poverty. So tell us a little bit about how compassion changed your life and what it was like to find out that you were gonna be sponsored and how things have been different since then. It was amazing because uh, when you live in poverty, either it's emotional, you know, spiritual or financial poverty, you think that God abandoned you. And I hear people say that God is never late. And I say amen to that. But I also say that God is never early either. And the reason is because in Matthew 28, the Bible says, the end of the verse, it says, I am with you always. So that means that if God is late or early, that means that he wasn't there. God is always there. And he showed that to me through my sponsor, Terry from Canada. And Terry was the person that got used to showing me that he was always there for me that he had compassion and he wanted to use somebody like her to bless me. And she did it through this ministry, Compassion International. If you've never heard of Compassion, it is a true Christ-centered ministry that releases children from poverty in Jesus' name. It's not a relief ministry, it's a release ministry. And the reason is because Jesus is the center. And when Jesus is the center, there's release of poverty. And uh, last year alone, when I, when I hear this, I just, I just so happy, makes me so happy. Last year alone, more than 138,000 children came to Christ through Compassion International. Isn't that amazing? When I saw the little girl being baptized, it just made me so happy. Because I, I, I read a, um, a statistic, the Bible Society made, made a study, and they found out that the 83% of Christians come to Christ from the ages of four through 14. So that tells you where you need to invest your efforts, your money and your prayers and everything. Instead of trying to fix things that are already messed up, how about we do a preventative program like Compassion, for example. So Compassion does this, it, it, you see the results because they only work through local churches in those 26 different countries. So your church from the US basically sponsor kids and empowers the churches from Peru, for example, and allows them, the nationals, to minister to the kids. They choose the children, they chose me. They look at their financial situation, they, they look how they're living, they go to their houses to see if they really need the help. And then they sign up in the program and put a picture of them like this. Now this child, right now I have Andy David Ramirez Mendez. That's a long, crazy name, huh? Well, mine is Samuel Orlando Polanco Morales. I really need a sponsor. <laughs> but Andy, it's right here, and this is the only picture and the only child in the world. So this is not a fake child. Andy is right here at Chris, uh, um, uh, Great, Hills, Great Hills, right? Baptist Church, the only one. So they put a picture of me in this packet. And I don't know, Terry saw my picture, 
Man, and I tell you, I was really ugly when I was, when I was, I was really ugly because I was, I was struggling. She probably saw this Samuel really needs help. <laughs> and she chose me. And she took compassion. She was moved by compassion. And she wrote letters to me telling me that she loved me. Compassion is a discipleship program that takes them from little all the way through high school and deals with them and make them grow healthy, you know, school supplies, uniform, meals, and the masses of Jesus and empowers them. It empowered me. And Terry told me, you could become whoever you wanted to be in Jesus' name. And the people from my church told me, Samuel, you could become not only blessed, because being blessed is not enough. They told me you could become a blessing to others. I never thought that God could use a cornbread seller. And because of all these benefits and, and, and the letter from my sponsor, it empowered me. It showed me the love that I really needed. It changed my life completely. And today I am a recording engineer, a musician, and a singer. And I praise God because he was never late or early. He was always there and he used Terry to bless my life. And like it said in the video, you and your wife now sponsor two children of your own as well. Oh, yeah. <laughs> one in DR, one in Haiti. And not only that, because you may think, well, so what, happen, what happens with a child that goes to the program, graduates from the program? Well, this is what happened with me, an example. So now I'm like, I don't want to be blessed and released from poverty myself. I want to be a blessing. So God had in my heart to have my own ministry, my music ministry. So I recorded my albums, I went to college, became a recording engineer, and now I go back to the Dominican Republic every year, this is my fifth year, and we go over there, we bring my band, lighting stage, there to, and we go to remote places, and we do these concerts for free. I share my disc, my music for free to them, and I don't, I don't come with empty handed. So we come with over a thousand backpacks with school supplies, and we give it to the children. This is what compassion taught me to, you know, I learned that from compassion. We led the church to be the face of the whole thing. But this is what, what God is doing through me now because somebody like you decided to give Samuel an opportunity. That's awesome. So, Terry from Canada. Terry from Canada was the one who changed your life. So what would you like to say to our people here today and to encourage or challenge them? Wow, it's kind of hard. Uh, to encourage you after the message, I just, I would just, I wanted the pastor to make an altar call so, so I could just raise my hand and, and receive Jesus again <laughs> because it was so powerful. And I, I think we didn't need anything else after that, but I want to just encourage you and, and tell you that you may be in this church and you, you, you may say, well, I don't preach. I don't sing. I don't, I don't, I, I'm not serving, but you may be able to become a missionary without even leaving this place by sponsoring a child, a child that you, you could actually meet like the pastor did. You could actually see a child, you could actually write letters to the child. They write letters back to you. So you have that power. And I wanna close with this story. I went back to the Dominican Republic and uh, one time, well, you want Andy, right? Yes. Daniel's gonna tell us in a minute how we can do that, but Andy is now taken, so. Andy, <laughs> Andy has a sponsor. Andy's being rescued in Jesus' name. So I went back to the yard and um, a, a friend of ours forgot a backpack in our house. And I felt in my heart to put $20 in the backpack. But I wasn't sure. And I've been a Christian for a long time, so I was like, let me just pray about it. 
very good phrase. If you want to get rid of somebody, if they're asking you for something, money specifically, tell them this, let me pray about it. Man, it's the great phrase. I can't do anything after that. And I'm a man of prayer. I believe in prayer. So I use that. I'm just going to pray about it because I'm not sure. Like many people here are not sure. Should I sponsor a child? Does really the money get to them? I can tell you that 80% minimum, 80% minimum of that dollar goes to the child. Last year was 83%. That's how it works. It gets to the people. The church manages the funds in those countries. We don't give them cash to the kids or the families because many of those children have dysfunctional parents. Alcoholic, so you don't want to give them cash, but you have a file for every single child would receive that the money's being spent on the child. So really, there's integrity in the financial part of it. So today, like me, you weren't sure. I didn't put the money in the backpack. The next day, this lady comes to, comes to me. She was a 23-year-old girl, three kids, single mother, still trying to make it through high school. She was being kicked out of her house because she didn't have exactly $20 to pay the rent or complete the rent. That was 500 Dominican pesos. And she was telling me, Samuel, and yesterday I needed that money and somebody gave it to me. She didn't know that God put in my heart to put the money. She didn't know none of that. And she said, somebody gave it to me. And then I felt very happy because God blessed her. But at the same time, I felt very sad because I knew that God wanted to use Samuel Orlando to bless her and he had to use somebody else because God will accomplish his will either through me or through you. And after that, God, whenever you show me a need, I said, whenever you show me a need, I'm not going to think about it or pray about it because there's some times that I need just to act about it. And that's the difference between feeling sorry about a child like Andy and feeling compassion like Jesus compassion, feeling sorry, it's just, wow, man, I feel so bad for this kid. Let me just go and pray about it. I, mean, I hope somebody helps this guy. I can't do everything. I'm already doing something. And you leave. But feeling compassionate, like Jesus did, that he felt moved, it's like, I'm going to do something about it. So today, I want to encourage you to do something. $1.25 a day. And those children on the foyer over there, it's a crowd of them. A crowd of them. So be compassionate today. Become hands, the hands in Jesus' feet today. Become a blessing and change somebody's life in Jesus' name. So if you would like to sponsor a child today, like Samuel said, we have two tables set up out in the ministry mall, out those doors and out those doors. And the tables are covered with packets, just like the one that Anna just took with Andy on it. Um, boys and girls of all ages from three different continents who need a sponsor. So please stop by the tables and visit. And thank you for coming and joining us, Samuel. You're welcome. God bless you. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you, Becky and Samuel. Becky's our missions director here at Great Hills. Does a great job helping us. And uh, Sammy, thank you, my friend, for your powerful story and testimony. And uh, I love it. Uh, Piera is the city that I couldn't, I have a hard time pronouncing and I'm maybe not saying it right. And that's where Victor is. And, and when you do sponsor somebody, you, you, you really, I do, I pray for him. Uh, we're going to follow him through uh, high school and then pray about taking on somebody else when that's done. And I'm, as, as we have the invitation, as we wrap up this morning, uh, we, we do encourage you, you know, as you pray. I'll tell you what, why don't you pray about what Sammy 
mentioned to you, you've got like five minutes to pray about it. All right, just pray about it. And if God puts somebody on your heart, then go out there and look at those uh, pictures and, and take one. And you may be here today and say, well, you know, that's it. I knew God was leading me to take another step in my walk with Him, and that's my next step. And I'm already tithing, I'm already giving and supporting this church and other ministries, but this is what God is inviting us to do. And thank you, Anna. If y'all know Anna, that's, that's Anna Johnson right there. I mean, God puts something on her heart, shazam, she just does it, you know. And so I praise God for that. It was just pure her heart walking up here and taking that, and I'll pay her like I told her in a minute when I'm just kidding. <laughs> No, no, none of that. So it's just um, maybe here today and say, well, I want to be a part of a church like this. I, I see God moving. I see the hand of God moving in a church like this, that a church is more interested in giving and going and serving. Well, why don't you come? We've had a bunch of people here recently come through our new members class and join us. In fact, we're going to present some of those folks here in a minute, show you their picture. You say, well, how does that work? What does that look like? Well, during the invitation, after I pray, you come forward. We'll have a pastor. We'll have a decision counselor. They'll sit down with you and share with you what it means to be a part of Great Hills Baptist Church here in Austin. Maybe you're here today, and like Sammy, you're like, man, give the invitation. I, I'd love to receive Christ. I, I want to receive Him. I want Him. I, I'm impressed with Him. He is, he is amazing, and, and that's He is. And He is the only one that can save your soul from hell. He can save your life from uh, from, from pain and suffering and guilt and shame. I think about all those things that had me wrapped up as a 19-year-old. When I met Christ, God just released me from that and welcomed me into his family. And Sean, like you, I came forward and got baptized in a Baptist church just like this. And God just started working in my life to the point here I am pastoring and, and shepherding a church here in Austin. So let me just encourage you today, if you haven't received Christ and you haven't taken that very first step, then why don't you do that today? Why don't you say, God, here I am. I, I want to be a, a follower. I want to know you. I, I want to serve you. Then you come and let us help you, and we will absolutely encourage you and invite you to do that. So let's pray together, and then we're going to have our invitation. Why don't you go ahead and stand to your feet as we bring everything to a close today. As you stand, I, I want to pray over you and pray for our, our invitation. Father, thank you for what we have seen and witnessed today. Thank you, Lord, for what we've heard, not only in your life, Jesus, how you lived and how you were moved with compassion for people. But also, Lord, in the life of Sammy and in the life of others, God, that you've come upon us and, and so deeply impressed upon us to make a difference in somebody's life. And Lord, I'm praying today that that person that is here, that made it through the gale force winds and the torrential rains, and they're like, man, I got here and I was soaking wet, thinking, God, is it, you must really want me here. And he does. He wants you here so that you could hear what you heard today. And that some of you would say, I'm giving my life to Christ and I wanna become a, a follower of Jesus and I wanna be baptized and I wanna serve him and, and live for him. Others of you today are like, I've done that and I'm committed, but man, God's speaking to me. God's pushing me to the next level and I'm ready to go to that next level. I'm ready to start tithing. Or I'm ready to start giving to compassion. I'm ready to go on this short-term mission trip. Praise the, praise God. It's awesome. That's what it's about, to take you where you are and just to see the Spirit of God move you up to the next level. So, Lord, would you do that? God, I pray that you would take us where we are. And then, Lord, work in us in a way, in such a special way that we leave change today, God. That all of us, Lord, would inch just a little closer to Jesus and his example. Lord, I pray for our counselors today. I pray for our pastors as we greet people and meet with people. 
that Holy Spirit, you'd give wisdom, you'd give direction. And Lord, I pray there wouldn't be a child left out on those tables today. I just pray, Lord, we'd all just grab somebody and we'd start giving and say, Lord, I don't really know how I'm gonna do this, but God, if you're leading me to do this, the God that guides is always the God that provides. So we're trusting you, Lord, for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? Let's sing praise to the Lord. And as you come forward today, make your commitment to God. Let's sing to him right now.